what's happening is just defining a new logic and we are going to speak about real estate about economy about uncertainty and what the heck is going on right now and <laughs> yeah. where we are going yeah, what's going on exactly it's actually sometimes better to enter something new when it's difficult because then you have many options which didn't exist before things start breaking they're breaking apart and you have more pieces of leather to put this together thanks to frank who seeded a lot of this information we want to focus on what's up with the gtl real estate and ultimately a lot of people and are of course a lot of professionals at the back of their minds are thinking is it a good time to buy is it a good time to actually exit the market well, homes are in a bubble, clearly, because look at the prices of condos. What's happening with condos? They're losing value day by day. And with the office spaces dead and all professionals now forever will be working remote or mostly downtown becoming a ghost town. So what the heck is going on and going to happen? Mm -hmm. I get those questions every day. <laughs> exactly. Moreover, I get these questions quite often because of my exposure. So first and foremost, I wanted to introduce Frank. And Frank is a broker and SVP of sales with Salisbury International Realty. Yeah, so I got into real estate about 12 years ago now. So during the last uh, financial crisis that the world faced. Uh, it's actually sometimes better to enter something new when it's difficult because then you have many options which didn't exist before. Things start breaking. They're breaking apart and you have more pieces of leather to put this together. And Mila, I want to know about you. How did you get into this? Uh, and uh, what, what, what do you do? And uh, how did you get to where you are today? I currently focus on working with businesses, working with businesses, moving them through change, which is abandoned. We are breaking through to the next level. I truly feel this is a perfect time for people to figure out what makes sense to do next. I was thinking about you like on the way um, driving and I was thinking this is the time where Mila is needed the most because there's so much uncertainty and you're somebody that's able to provide the clarity and, and look at how can this specific situation be made better with systems and, and just analyzing information and figuring out well, how do we get from here to where you wanna be? This is a very long-term trend as you can see it starts 2006 and it goes all the way to 2021. So it's 15 year trend. And it's very obvious that number one, of course, we had two dips. The first dip was 2008, infamous 2008, and we had a market crash there. And then 2018, price-wise, not the listings, but price-wise only dip was regulatory. Mm -hmm. and and two tops were 2010 and 2017. Now, in what was happening these years, both of the dips were related to the fact that people could not get mortgages. Mm -hmm. It was liquidity crisis, as economists would say. Monetary policy was set in such a way that it wasn't about people. A bit people scared to sell in 2008, in 2018, nobody was scared, but people just couldn't get lending at that level that they used to. Uh, the stress test, right? 
Right, the stress test and then some other restrictions and regulatory changes which were made on the liquidity side. But liquidity plays one of the biggest roles because frankly, in North America, people don't have to have too much cash. Well, considering Europe, for example, where you have to put 30% or 40%, here mm -hmm. you, have to, you have a potential to lend majority of debt. So essentially you have a leveraged buyout. You have a stock option on real estate. And when this dries up, then market stops moving. Mm -hmm. So this is hint number one. Number two, 2010, what was happening? Canada is resource-based country. That was peak in oil prices or, you know, cash was abound, everything, people felt that everything is growing. So prices inflated. So it was in an, an expansion phase. That was a con contraction phase in real estate. That was expansion phase. And then the next expansion was more similar, in my humble opinion, to what's happening now, because it was Asian instability. And a lot of money started to flow in other jurisdictions, including Canada. Mm -hmm. And that instability created the external push as well as a bit of an anxiety. So again, emotional reactions of people started to drive market crazy. Yeah, it's the, the fear of missing out, right? Yes, the formal thing, which was rightfully shut down by regulators, but that dropped this. It was quite a swing, I must say. If oh, yeah. we, well, things yeah. were crazy in spring 2017. I, I recall that time and I remember working with a few people and it was just like, we, we, we shouldn't have to compete 30 offers on, uh, <laughs> on, on an offer, you know? Anyways, I found that quite interesting. Absolutely. And this is why that was a lot of foam in the market. And that was a bit of drought in the market. But overall, it balanced off. Right now, we are not really very active. Still, we are below average, 10% growth. The, you know, there is a natural trajectory of growth, just given that the number of units, the number of houses is growing, the number of people is growing. So it's natural to have more sales with time. There is mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. And it's natural to have some prices increase with time. Again, there is some, nothing wrong with that. But what is happening, we're definitely emotionally driven and externally driven because again, we have an instability. That first one was expansion. That was row, row, go, go. This was, oh, where do we park cash? And this one, well, how do we make our investments safe? How do we make our families safe? Yeah, and, and I feel like we're, we're, if it were not for the Bank of Canada, we'd probably be in some sort of liquidity crisis right now. Perfect timing. And what about all this free money? free money syndrome, which is happening. Mm -hmm. Affordability in the period, which some of you may remember, or some of you may have read books about the high, high inflation. That was really bad, obviously. And the rents, both the houses and the rents were hard to afford. 
And then we had a very long period when it was, however, was discussed, but the changes were, you know, insignificant. It was very stable. What is interesting, that was a red zone and it was clearly observed inflation. What is happening now is, I believe it's a hidden inflation driven situation mm -hmm. because there is a lot of liquidity which is pumped into the market. And while prices of food and the whole CPI has not risen significantly, at least yet, the prices of assets started to rise. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, I don't think it's very hidden. It feels like inflation is, uh, is people are observing it on the stock market. Like we're all time high and you know, real estate as well. And yeah. And the food, I don't, I wonder with food, like how do they, do you know how they calculate the CPI? Yep. It's the consumer basket. And actually I wanted to <laughs> share. I recently listened to a podcast of my, where my favorite professor of economics at Rotman School of Management, he's been teaching executive MBA economics for last 20 years. And he said a marvelous thing. Uh, it's important to know where to look for inflation. If you don't know where to look, you will not find it. Mm -hmm. So the CPI, the basket, has been put together a long time ago to reflect you know, the price of gas, the price of bread, the price of, right, price of milk, etc. Yet, if you think about it, when there is a lot of liquidity in the market, then where would it go? We cannot buy 100 piles of, you know, milk and bread and all of that. Where do this extra billions and trillions of dollars go? They have two places, stock market and real estate market. Mm -hmm. So inflation is shifted to those two places. Mm -hmm. And to me, this is why there is no way down unless we go through some drastic, drastic fiscal problems. Well, it seems exactly what you're saying is correct. Where do you find it? And uh, can, uh, are they going to tell us if there is actually 10% inflation or 7% inflation? Are they going to, they're, cause they're targeting 2%, right? That's their goal is 2% inflation. They can always adjust the numbers a little bit to make it uh, how they want, right? <laughs> how they want to uh, display the, 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 the metric. Well, and truly, I don't really think that regulators have much of a leeway because there are certain are things which have to be done mm -hmm. based on where they are and how they perceive the situation. And it's not necessarily a big choice. I'm super interested. Like the, 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 your analysis was quite interesting. I like, um, so where do you think, where do you think it's heading into the 2021? Like, do you think that this uh, vaccine is going to drive confidence again? Definitely. A vaccine is found by many people as kind of almost a saving, a saver. So from longer term perspective, what is happening? And number one, I do believe that the prices of homes, which are not centrally located, but further located, are, it's not necessarily driven just by the pandemics. 
it is a longer term trend and it's not a bubble. It's more of a paradigm shift, mm-hmm. which is happening. It's just accelerated by the pandemic because it's shown people and it shifted a lot of companies to this um, mixed work, remote and on-prem. Uh, do you think that the hidden inflation of single family housing and stock market is a high risk in both? Just, just curious because I'm in both. So, Frankly, most of us are in both because where else can we go? Put our money anyway. Yeah, I hear you. It's not a high risk overall, but it depends on where. Actually, I have a, an anecdote. My mentor told me once when I got into uh, real estate and he, he told me he's been through many of these cycles. So he was through the, the 89 cycle and you know 2008 and just he's been through it. And what he told me is that, Frank, as long as you don't buy more than you can afford and you don't get caught out having to sell at the wrong time, you're going to be fine in real estate. But there is a lot of people who get greedy and they buy too much or they, they take risks that are a little bit... Uh, irresponsible sometimes because it's the uh it's the feeling that they can win big quickly if it's it's gambling sometimes for some people it's generally safe to have your home but then it's when people buy 10 condos or 20 condos or whatever that they do and their leverage and maybe the rent drops at a certain time and if they can't fill the unit then they're massive negative cash flow so i think it's about who you are and it depends on are you one of those super risk takers or are you more of a responsible person and you bought what you can afford and even if it goes down as long as you don't have to sell you're not you're not really in a big risk scenario excellent excellent point cannot agree more make sure that you can carry things which are leveraged stocks usually are not leveraged but with real estate it's almost always leveraged so it's important to be in a position to be able to pay for it Mm -hmm. for a little bit longer if it's an investment and if it's your personal, obviously, it's a question of cash flow, etc. If you want huge growth quickly, you have no other choice but accept high risks and know that you can lose most of that. If you want to go through the trying times, which are now in ahead of us, and save or keep your earned money, then you can place your bets and your positions in something which is safer in terms of sectors, locations, both real estate and stocks. The first longer term trend, as I started saying, is that houses which are located further will continue appreciation. Definitely, whatever has a piece of land will be valued in the years to come. It's a question of being able to carry it through in, you know, ups and downs. The second thing is a return to work in 2021 or, you know, whenever, but people will return to work and it may be a hybrid model, but it's very unlikely. If you look through all of the recent stats and articles and conversations between CEOs, it's extremely unlikely that everybody will stay working remotely because this is not the most efficient and effective model of running businesses. People need to see each other, at least from time to time. They need to interact. They need to make decisions collectively, which is hard doing it like we are doing it right now through Mm -hmm. screens. So there will be a balance 
work from home and office, which means that people will return to work, especially downtown. Downtowns think about Middle Ages when there was plaque or, or huge diseases and people were just, the, the, the cities were dead, right? People were walking from cities. Every and single time people returned to cities, rebuilt cities and made them flourish, flourish even better. So definitely people and organizations will return downtown. Will they redo some offices? Sure. Will they repurpose some spaces? Positively. But that, at the end of the day, means more jobs and more work. And some companies may not survive. This is a, a natural part of evolving, going through the crisis. Yet overall, definitely those central areas will be populous again, maybe more with the younger generation. The outskirts will be still in demand for people who have families and demographics and immigration will drive the recovery, will drive up demand. Longer term, within two, three years, there is no other option, but prices, forget about the inflation, for now I'm just stripping out. Let's see, on average, if we consider inflation, prices will still continue climbing up because of the pressure, supply versus demand. It's not a rocket science. I'm not truly, I don't think that I'm all, you know, it's a revelation, but it will recover first because it's central city. It has most jobs. It has the strongest job market and the tightest condition in terms of, hey, there is no space to build. I actually think just... that there's like a, there are potential double cohort there as well. Like if you look at the demographic of the, the people who are planning to right size into the, or downsize into the condo sort of lifestyle, the older generation that, maybe uh, they're prepping. They don't want to necessarily have the big two-story home anymore because their kids are gone and they, you know, they want to have less space to take care of. And I, I think there's a lot of demand for those big condos and not a lot of supply um, for that reason. They, they haven't built enough of those big units to meet the demand of, I think there's the, the second cohort is the, the young families. So I think at a certain price point, single family homes become unaffordable for, for people. So what is your alternative? It's a bigger condo, maybe a two bedroom with a den. So you can still have a family and, and live and maybe still be close to that hybrid work. Because I, I, I agree with you that there is no, it's, it is less efficient to work through Zoom compared to having your colleague next to you and being able to mastermind with them. I think it's, and people want that for their own mental health as well. They do want to go back to the office. It's not as, um, it's more fun. It's way more fun to be at the office. And I think cities are more fun. There's way more going on. And what's interesting is different industry sectors, when I speak to people, they have a variety of opinions. Some want mostly to work from home. And a lot of IT people feel that way because obviously their job is more related to are actually writing something using the computer than mm -hmm. interacting. Still, it definitely will be a hybrid model when maybe one or two days in the office for some or three days in the office for others and other two or three days working from home will allow to spread people more and to choose whether they prefer this condo central lifestyle provided that you know they have whatever their affordability for the family unit or further 
Amelia, don't you think this trend was already happening before even the pandemic? Because I've I've looked at the banks. They have some of their offices have those hot desks. So you don't really have a dedicated desk. You have a place you have to reserve. And the consulting firms, they, they encourage their employees, go work on your client's site. Be next to your client. Don't be in the office all the time because you're not making us money if you're sitting here. You're costing us money by sitting here. So I think there is, that was already, uh, it, this is, the pandemic is a convenient thing for some companies that already wanted to reduce their uh, office overhead. Absolutely.